So glad to um, be coming together again, according to the book of 1 Corinthians, right? I'm not going to have a fivefold here, but, well, you know what? The teaching probably will be. Every one of you comes together, has a psalm, a hymn, a I'm studying that, but anyway, uh, this morning, there's a lot that I need to um, kind of just share with you, and I, and I want to address the, um, the, the mindset of a saint and how, how we should be thinking during this time frame that we're in. And last Sunday morning, um, if you'll recall, I remember doing the transition, and I remember speaking about how Joseph was in the pit and how there was there was purpose there and I ever since last week I've been thinking about that all throughout the week and over the last couple of nights there have been two dreams that are exactly or very similar and while we were in Florida this same kind of thing happened where there were two dreams that were that were very similar and they were back to back and you you can't plan that there there's no way for you to plan that kind of thing and I, and I know from scripture and I know you do as well that whenever there's a double um, issuance in a dream it's very important and so as I was studying this and thinking about it all week I've been in Kansas all week on, on work stuff um, in the evenings, I would be thinking about this, and um, just I just could not get away from it. And I didn't have enough time to to, to focus uh, a lot of time on it because of, of work conditions that were beyond the 5 o'clock range. So we were working late into the evening sometimes because I wasn't able to go into any of the facilities because I had come from Florida. So I had to be quarantined and didn't know that and then outbreaks started happening at where we were at and so me and my co-worker we um we ended up being confined to the Hilton Hotel which was fine and we were we were supporting remotely instead of being physically on site um and but but anyway it was very busy but I couldn't wait till I got home you know Friday evening Friday afternoon and then in the all day Saturday because I was spending a lot of hours studying but Saturday night I had a dream, and it was all I, I can remember it being, um, it was an educational scene. It was, um, I was in a situation where I was in a, in a it was a test. It was a, uh, um, some kind of a, not a trial, but it was, there was a test. And, and I could tell there was a lot of frustration inside me because I didn't feel like I was passing the test or the exam. And that was kind of the whole context of that. And it happened, you know, I don't know how long, but it seemed to go on for, you know, a significant amount of time. And I, I do remember kind of rolling and tossing, you know, and grappling with it through the night. So I woke up, you know, that was Saturday morning. So I woke up throughout the day Saturday thinking about it, praying about it, and, and looking back at um, Joseph and and really studying. And so last night, there was a second dream that also was, it was a training environment. I do know that. It was very unpleasant and it was challenging. And I felt like I was, I say I, and this just kind of represents us. I felt like I was not passing the test. I felt like I was failing. Um, and it was that frustration again that was rising up. And so immediately, I mean, you, you know the scripture, and we're going to kind of look at it together again, because uh, like I said, this, this has happened two times in a row over the last two and a half weeks, two double issuances of dreams back to back that are very similar, and I'll spare you the details of the, of the previous two that were not very pleasant compared to these. Um, but we are, we are being placed in unique situations, and I'm, I'm speaking into the current situation, but I know I, I could tell in the dream that it was also speaking towards things that are coming, things that are going to be very, very challenging, dearth-like, famine-like, um, coronavirus-like. I mean, it was all of that, but I really felt, but we don't need to worry because in the midst of that, 
God's going to take care of his saints. He's going to take care of his people. We won't go without food. He's going to bring provision no matter what circumstance or situation we're in. And so as I begin to really think more deeply about this, this really has to be uh, the mindset of the way that we think, no matter what situation we're in. Because, you know, I remember the message that Pastor brought on Wednesday night about how inside the enemy, the iniquity that was within him, is really what a lot of people are partnering with in, in these, other, these other movements and things that are going on. And they don't even really, some recognize it, some don't. They just jump on the bandwagon with, you know, what's currently going on, and they have no idea what they're doing. And even our president has made comments like that, that there are people that know what they're doing in this, but they don't. But, but anyway, I was thinking about the, the iniquity that was with, found within the enemy and how that's being all, it's all throughout the earth where people are just... But in the midst of that... We don't need to partner with iniquity. We don't need to partner with the prince of the power of the air. We don't need to partner with any of that. And we don't need to be worried and so amped up and fearful. We don't need to, do, we don't need to re respond that way. Because there's purpose in every situation that we are in. It's just how we think about it and how we view it. And everything that we view must be through the eyes of of God. It ha have to be. Otherwise, our, our, our vision is going to be not very clear. It's going to be skewed or it's going to be it's going to be obscure. And we're not going to know, hey, what's God? What is he really doing in this? What is he really saying? And so many people, the lenses that they're looking through. Man, they're just crazy. Some people, all they see is racism everywhere they look. Racism. Oh, and they, they're, they're, they're detectors of it. And so we have to, and we all know that there's racism. It takes on many forms, and it's not just one color. It, it goes against every ethnicity uh, around us. And the enemy is doing everything he can to try to distract people, and he's trying to get people to not focus on really what, what God's really doing, but rather on what he's doing. These are all distractions. That's what they are. I mean, they're... And so the two dreams, I've really been praying about it, even this morning, driving in and over here studying and praying is like, Lord, I know you're establishing something here. And I know that one, one thing that I do know is this. He is training us in how we should respond and how we should think and how we should react no matter what situation we're in. And even last night, after I studied for a few hours, I turned on the television and 48 hours was on. And they had this bizarre situation where a school bus had been kidnapped. And, and 26 children were taken out of this school bus. And they were put in vans. And, they, and, and the, the perpetrators drove 100 miles over into California. And they buried them in a pit underground 12 feet underground and so you can imagine when when, when the pit language starts coming I'm, I'm immediately going okay there's a there's a connection here Joseph was buried in a it says it calls it a prison a dungeon but if you look at it it's really and it's all of those but it's really a pit he was he was buried in a pit for no reason he did nothing wrong and I'm not saying that we're going to be, some of us might be in, in a situation where we're in a pit, literally, but we face pit conditions all the time, figuratively, where you feel like you're in so deep into something, there's no way out. But really, no matter where we are, you know, Jesus, I mean, whether whether we're in heaven or whether we're in the depths of the earth, it doesn't matter. Yahweh's plan is with us regardless. But it's all in, in, the, in the mindset of a saint. How do we think about the situation we're in? We, we should be at a point where no matter what we face, we shouldn't go, oh, 
man, I did something wrong here, or, or I missed the mark. We, 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 that should not even cross our, our thinking initially. We should go, this is part of the eternal plan for me. This is part of the eternal plan for this network. And not view it with, with the lens of um, iniquity. I mean, it's, it's so easy to do that. It's so easy to look at it and try to size it up or try to read the situation. I think that's where we really mess up is when we look at it and we try to overanalyze every little minute detail. And before you know it, we don't even know what the detail was. We just need to let things play out and unfold. And, and, and in the midst of that, keep interceding, keep speaking to God and ourselves. It's kind of an interesting concept there in Corinthians, isn't it? Uh, there's no interpreter, you know. Make sure you speak to yourself and then to God. Um, very odd, but all I'm saying is we don't have to worry and, uh, and we don't have to fear. Because Yahweh is near, and when, as long as we are in His plan and we're interceding, He's going he's gonna to take care of all of us. And, and when you contrast what I just said with what's going on in our world and all the violence and all the upheaval and every other adjective, it's just the opposite. The enemy's trying to pour in fear, and the enemy's pouring out his evil nature, don't you? I mean... He really is. Um, you know, you, maybe you haven't thought of it before, but the enemy is pouring out his evil heart into this country and all over the world. But, and God, God's allowing it. I mean, he could step in at any given moment and just wipe it out, right? He could. But where's the journey in that? Where's the, where's the partnership in that? And in the midst of this, God is still raising up intercessors, and He's still calling us to be on call day or night, to intercede, to, to, be, to partner with Him in some kind of a, of a dream or a vision. But I just encourage all of you, don't, don't, don't be worried, don't be anxious for anything. You know, God knows exactly where we are, and He is far more capable of bringing us out of a pit, even though these children that I saw last night, they were horrified. Can you imagine? I mean, one of the youngest ones on that bus was five years old. The eldest was 14. You know how those kids got out of that, that uh, uh, being buried? They stacked up. The, the, there were mattresses in there, and there was a small table and food, but they stacked the mattresses on top of the the opening where there was a, and they started digging through the earth, and eventually uh, the kid that was 14 poked through, and they got out not knowing, hey, were they going to be around with shotguns or whatever, and they all escaped. But God knows exactly where we are. So we're going to look at just different verses from Genesis 39 through 41, those chapters. Every time... The word interpret or interpretation is used in the Old Testament. It's used only in the life of Joseph. Every time. It's like mentioned, one, one of the Hebrew words is mentioned nine times for interpret. So, and that's kind of where we're going with this, is being able to not only think like a saint, but also be available to interpret in the midst of being in a pit-like condition. Because sometimes you're in, you're, if, you're in that, if you're in that circumstance, so many times what do we do as humans? We start focusing on ourselves. Joseph, when he was in the pit, he wasn't focused on himself. He was focused on everybody else around him. That is, that is just, that's hard to do. I mean, that's like being in the fiery furnace and not even focusing on the fire that's there, the smoke or anything else that's in that furnace, right? And the heat and the intensity of that heat. So Joseph is, to me, represents an Old Testament saint because he had the characteristics of, of what a saint should, should, how they should respond and how they should think. So we're going to begin looking with this first point 
I think is so critical for all of us is that Yahweh is with us in all circumstances. And in Genesis 39, verses 1 through 6, it specifically says that Yahweh's plan and blessing are upon us. They're, 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 one, they're different, but they're one and the same in that they're coming from the eternal plan. Now, what starts all of this, we're going to find out later, is Joseph was brought into this situation not on his own. He didn't choose to say, oh, I'm going to go down to Egypt. He didn't choose this because he said later on, he said he was stolen from his own country, the Hebrews. We'll see that in just a minute. Let's, get, let's read verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. Now, this is interesting because a lot of times when I think about Joseph, immediately I start going to chapters 40 and 41, but I f tend to forget about 39. 39 leads up to 40 and 41. He didn't go straight to Pharaoh, right? There was a test that he had to go through in order to get to Pharaoh, right? Or to be in front of Pharaoh. And it's in chapter 39. And it says, and Yahweh was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. There's that Salah that pastors taught about, and, and you know, about how that the Salah, it, it help, is pushing us forward, you know, always progressing and moving upward and, and forward. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And watch how Potiphar looks at it, and his master, Ra'ad, something that was going on in Joseph. What was it? It was that Yahweh was with him. So he's finding favor in the midst of where God's planted him. And for those of you that are a part of this network, there's favor. You know, I, I know there's times where we all feel like we're all alone. You know, we're, we're the one that's crying in the wilderness. But in the midst of wherever we're at, wilderness or pit or whatever, we need to know that, the, blessed, that the, the favor of the Lord is upon us. And people like Potiphar are going to be able to ra'ah, be able to discern and look and go, you know what? The, the eternal plan of Yahweh is upon you as an individual. And that's what he saw. It says he saw that. And Yahweh made all that he did to prosper, salah. Everything that he put his hand to, was moving forward and advancing. There was, it was always progression, not regression. That's incredible. Because what happens after this, this is the introduction to what happens. I mean, it's awful. It seems to be awful in the eyes of, of man, but in, in the eternal scheme of things, this was part of the plan. Every bit of it. And Joseph passed every test Every temptation that was in front of him. Boy, was he ever tested. And it says in verse 4, And Joseph, look what happens here, found grace in his sight. He's finding grace in the sight of his master. You know, that's finding grace in the eyes of God is one thing, but finding grace and favor with man is another, right? Jesus talked about that. I believe that we're going to be in situations that are not very pleasant. They're going to be very challenging. They're going to be pit-like. But the favor of God is going to be with us. And the individuals that are there with us are going to see that favor. They're going to raw it. And God's going to take care of us no matter what we're in. Corona is really nothing compared to what's coming. It's not. I mean... <laughs> This is a form, this is darkness. Gross darkness is coming. But no matter what we're in, we have to think and have this kind of a mindset as a saint. Yahweh is with us. And he found favor, or found grace in his sight, and he served him. Look, look at this. Look at the connective with grace and serving. Another Another purpose of why grace is given. It helps us to go upward, but when we go upward, then we begin to serve. And, and I know in this case, 
It's to serve in the mission. See, that's, that's, I hadn't seen this before. But it, grace is given for service in the mission. That's really, and that's really incredible. And he made him an overseer over his house and all that he put into his hand. And it came to pass from that time that he made him an overseer in his house and over all that he had. And as a result of that, look what happens. Yahweh blessed the Egyptian's house because of, for Joseph's sake. The blessing of Yahweh will be wherever he plants us. That's great. That's great. And we have to think that way because Yahweh, the eternal plan of God, he, he thinks this way. He doesn't look at a situation and go, man, I can't see those 26 kids in that pit. Man, they're just out of sight. He doesn't think that way. He's thinking, I'm with you in the midst of whatever circumstance it is. He's, he is totally different than we are. And, and that's why there's... It's so important for all of us to remind ourselves to stay before the Lord, intercede, so we can be aligned with His mind and the way He's thinking and be aligned with the way He feels and His heart is perfectly feeling in a situation. He's not confused. He's not going, oh, Corona, I can't do anything about you. He, none of that stuff. But we, in, in everything that's going on in this world, the enemy and the, his forces... They're just trying to distract. They're trying to distract us away from the forward movement. And it's interesting that we're, you know, we're in this year of wisdom and revelation that's coming. And, and, and corona crops up. And God knows what, what's coming next. I just know this is only the beginning of, of the, the end time pains that Jesus prophesied about. He didn't, he didn't tell us specifics because... I think he wants us to live it and let us walk it out with him. And then we can turn around and look back and, and reflect and go, you know what, I, I see what he was trying to accomplish. Why would the enemy in so much fury do this at this specific time? Why is he trying to influence people to just rise up and partner with iniquity and evil? Why is he trying to convince the media, as he always has, to present things that are not really there. I mean, we always look at what? The antithesis of it. If the enemy's doing this, then God's really moving us forward. And I think we can, we can see that these principles in this, in this story with, with Joseph. It doesn't matter. I mean, you think, if you're, if you're in a pit, you think, man, there's really no good I can, that can come out of being in a pit, right? I mean, that's what I think. God doesn't think that way. And I'm so grateful. But in the midst of all of this, he's blessing the Egyptian's house because of jo for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of Yahweh was upon all, the, all that he had in the house, not only in the house, but also in the field. Man, God knows exactly what's going on. And he's taking care of... Of the Egyptians, for the, because of the sake of Joseph, who was representing him in the earth at this time. And he left all that he had into Joseph's hand, and he knew not all he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person. He's one of them goodly persons. And well favored. And so this sets the stage for what's, what's, what's getting ready to happen, and it's a lot. Now, in the, midst of, in the midst of that, we have to refuse. Now, this is the principle here. Some people read this and they go, oh, I don't have any problem with what Joseph had. You know, I can refuse. Oh, yeah. But the principle is we need to refuse to engage in great wickedness. Wickedness is raw and sin that's against Elohim. That was the issue. Let's read it. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused. And when I, when I typed this up, I'd only had one dream. The other dream came last night. That's why it says a recent dream. So now it should be uh, two dreams. 
and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master doesn't wanteth not what is with me in this house, and he has committed all that he had to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness, raw and sin against Elohim? The issue was the refusal to not partner with twistedness, right? raw that would lead to him missing the mark against the heart of God. That's, that was at the heart of every bit of this. It's so easy with where we are and what's going on in our world to partner with great raw and to miss the mark and to sin against the, the heart of God. That's, that's not our desire. Given the test, Joseph passed it. Wow, I mean, this, this is remarkable. What's your test right now? What's going on where God's trying to go, okay, I'm letting all these things happen around you. Don't partner with evil. Don't partner with, with twistedness. Don't, don't allow that to cause you to miss the mark because it's against my heart, ultimately. He doesn't want that. There are people all around us that are partnering and they're saying, you know what, I welcome this. Come on, bring it on. I'm going to partner with twistedness. I'm going to, I'm going to sin. I'm going to miss the mark. And I'm, I'm going to really ultimately do this against the heart of God. They are. Some realize it. Some don't. But we need to be just like Joseph, no matter what we're faced with, not to give in. But even in the midst of that, we know, we know what happened, right? Verse 11, no, excuse me, verse 10. And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, this thing didn't happen one time. This happened day after day, multiple times. Joseph did not refuse once. It was many different times. He had, he had the occasion to partner with evil and partner with twistedness and to sin against God, but he chose day after day and refused and said, no, I'm not going to do that. And it said he didn't hearken or shema unto her. Now, what's interesting is even though she's speaking this stuff, it said he, he turned a deaf ear to it and he did not obey it. That's hard to do. That would be like me talking to you day after day and say, hey, partner with iniquity. Do it, do, go ahead, it's okay. Just you go ahead and spout that off. Go ahead. There's nothing wrong with that. This, this, I don't know if, I, if I'm in this situation, it, it, it's tough. It's not easy, but we can, we can do it. If Joseph could, so can we. Verse 11, and it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. He had no evil intent. There was, he was going in to take care of the business that Potiphar left him to do, right? That was his mission. He was serving. And in the midst of serving, the circumstances were perfect for a strategic trap. And that's exactly what happened. There was none of, the, none of the men of the house within it. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me, and left his garment in her hand. He fled and got him out. There's the strategic trap that was laid for Joseph. We just need to be aware of our surroundings. Is it about... The lying with, yes, but it's more than just that. How does that apply to us? We need to be aware of our surroundings. If there are no men around, you hear what I'm saying? Whatever the condition looks like, if it looks like you might partner with raw or you might miss the mark, flee, run away. Don't even go inside. Don't even, don't even gather with those group of people. So the application to this we're going to have to personalize it to our situation. 
But the two things that we need to remember is don't partner with Ra. And secondly, don't, call, don't let that cause us to miss the mark and sin against Elohim. Boy, this was a scene here. And then the next thing that begins to happen. So now she's got, she's got to rethink, okay, this looks really bad. I've got to concoct false accusations to try to cover this thing over. And that's what she does in verses 13 through 18. And it came to pass when she saw Ra'ad that he had left his garment in her hand was fled forth. She calls for the men of the house and spake to them saying, See, he has brought in a Hebrew. So now look what she's doing. She's blaming Potiphar for bringing Joseph in. She's saying it, it's, it's her husband's fault. He's not even there to defend himself. But yet she's throwing the blame off on him. He brought in this Hebrew to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me. She's flipped it. The media is flipping all this stuff. They're, all this craziness is like God's intending to do one thing, and they're turning it and flipping it and saying he's trying to do something else. These things apply in a lot of ways right now. And, and I cried with a loud voice. She didn't do any of this. Joseph didn't come into her. He was serving in his mission, and his mission was to take care of of business, Potiphar's household, keep it in order. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment with me and he fled and he got him out. Totally the opposite story, right? False accusations. And she spake unto him and said these words, the Hebrew servant which you brought unto us, she says it again twice. So the, the issue of the double is mentioned here with a false accusation where the enemy's trying to establish something. So, you know, I hadn't thought much about this till now, but it says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established, right? And we always just associate that with, with God, and that's right. But the enemy, what? He wants to be like the Most High, so he's doing this in an evil manner. So anytime we hear a double that's going on, in, in, whether it's through words or, or somebody, they won't come out and tell you they had a dream or whatever, but the point is if it's doubled, we, we need to know that the enemy is trying to establish something of, of an evil agenda, and we need to stand against it and declare the opposite of it. Because that's what, you see this? There's, there's a lot here. The blame game is just going on here again. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice, that he left his garment with me and he fled. Imagine Joseph. I mean, what, it doesn't really say what he's thinking here, but I, I, I'm wondering when, when, he's, when he's in prison, when he's in the dungeon, when he's in the pit, whatever you want to call it, he could have thought all manner of evil. But it doesn't say any of that. Verse, 39, uh, verse thir uh, 19 says, And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, his wrath was kindled. He was furious. Now, we all know, right, a principle in life is there's always two sides to every story, right? He didn't even ask Joseph. Remember early on, it said he raad that Yahweh's plan was upon him, right? And that he was with him. Why not go and ask Joseph his side of the story? See, the enemy's he's very crafty. He's like that. He's evil. He doesn't want the other side. He only wants his side of the story known, right? And that's kind of a lot of what's going on through the airways. We're telling... We are saying God's got his agenda, and that's all that matters. No matter what condition we're in, no matter if we're falsely accused, it does not matter. We just have to trust the Lord in every situation. And when his wrath was kindled, Joseph's master took him 
and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. But look at the next verse. But Yahweh was with Joseph. That's all the difference in the world. It doesn't matter if you're in the pit, if you're in the palace. If you're in the pig pen or you're in the palace, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yahweh's plan is with us. It does not matter. Yahweh's plan was with jo uh, John the Baptist in the wilderness, right? <laughs> That's all that matters. And then not only did that, but there's an extension of mercy and showed him mercy. And not only that, but gave him favor in the sight of the, of the keeper of the prison. So while he's in this dungeon or this pit, look at the blessing of the Lord. The eternal plan is there with him. And, and, and I would inject and say the spirit of Yahweh, if Yahweh's there, his, that part of who he is, the spirit of Yahweh is there with him, abiding with him in that pit. And then mercy comes. So he's given him the, the directives, right? I mean, that's what mercy is, at the mercy seat in heaven, and then favor. You've got the, the grace that's there in the prison. How can those things be alive in a pit-like situation? There's no limitations with God. No limitations. None. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not at anything that was under his hand. Why? Or what's the reasoning? Because Yahweh was with him. So now we've got recognition from the keeper of the prison going, the eternal plan is with this man. And that which he did, Yahweh made it to prosper. There's Salah again. Causing to move forward. How do you move forward in a pit? It's just it's craziness, but God, God does that. And so in the midst of that, that situation, there was purpose in the pit. And, and I want to focus in on how how God is equipping us and continuing to equip us with being able to interpret whatever it is we're in, whatever condition, whatever circumstance we're in, being able to come up and say, you know what, I can give you the interpretation. But there's, listen to what the butler and the baker said in Genesis 40, verses 5 and 8. And they dreamed a dream, both of them. How, dreaming in a pit, right? That's, that's another... Interesting thought. Each man is dreaming one night, each man according to the interpretation of, the dream, of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in in the morning and looked upon them, and they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Why do they look so sad today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there's no interpreter. There's no one... Pathar. There's no one that can open up this thing and, and tell us what it means. And that word is used nine, nine times in the Old Testament and every one of them surrounding the life of Joseph. We are called to do the same thing that Joseph did here. In the pit. In a situation that makes no sense. We're there because... The, the plan of God says, this is where I need you to be at this precise moment. We are exactly where we need to be in the timing of the Lord. We have not missed the mark. We haven't sinned against His heart. We have not given way to, to raw thinking or iniquity or any of the evil things within the heart of the enemy. We are exactly where we need to be. End of story. Think like that. Think like that, because that is saintly type thinking. Now, this principle of, of having no interpreter, I'm going through each one of these and showing you how the magicians and the wise men of Egypt said this same thing. In, in chapter 41, verse 8, And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit, this is Pharaoh, his ruach was pa'am, troubled, agitated. And he sent and he called for the magicians of Egypt 
And all the wise men, the Egyptian wise men, and Pharaoh told his dream, but none could interpret it unto Pharaoh. I'm drilling this point in to go, hey, the magicians couldn't do it. The, the guys that used horoscopes, which is really what a magician was then, and even his wise men, they couldn't do this. He, he told them a dream. They had no idea. And then I just kind of threw this in here, too, as a New Testament reference. This is in a different context, but it still has the principle of the interpreter. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you, people that don't believe that every one of us should have this, they need to read this scripture again, right? Every one of you has a psalm, a doctrine, tongue, revelation, interpretation. But that all, these, all things be done unto edifying. He that speaks in an unknown tongue, let him do it by two or three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter or the explainer, let him keep silent in the church, let him speak to himself and God. Uh, just the concept of the interpreter. It's very, very similar. You know, pastor details in the church how the revelatory process works, and this is it right here. Um, it has nothing to do with just two messages in tongues and uh, an interpretation of, gee, I'm coming back soon. It's not that. It's how it operates within the church in intercession and how God speaks and how he wants someone that has the ability to give an explanation of what's going on. And if that person is not present, then we don't, we don't, we don't speak. We don't reveal anything. But my point is we're going to be placed in situations where people have no idea how to interpret what's going on. <laughs> we are going to be called upon to go, you know what, I need you to speak this to these people. Now, they may come to us, and it might be in a form of a dream, like the butler or the baker. It might just be casual conversation at Whole Foods. Somebody starts talking to you, and they're, they're, they're saying, I really don't understand, or... I need help with it. They may use that language, and then you feel directed to speak into them, and you just do it. You trust the Lord to give it to you. Now, what's interesting is the gifting that Joseph had was far different than the one Daniel did, right? Joseph had to, he had to hear the dream, and once he heard the dream, boom, he was point on and could give the interpretation. Daniel wasn't given the dream at all. He didn't want he he God showed him the dream and then he gave God gave him the interpretation. Much, much more uh, challenging of a gifting. So before you want Daniel's gifting, you might want to put the brakes on. Because <laughs> I mean none of it's reliant on us other than partnership, but that's when you compare the two, that's the big difference. And so that kind of laid the foundation here for, you know, setting the scene and then looking at what the there was no interpreter around. And then Joseph comes on and he makes a statement that's just profound in Genesis 40, verses 5 through 8. And this is actually, excuse me, Genesis 40, verse 8. Joseph says unto them, Do not interpretations belong to Elohim. That's incredible. He's saying, I can't open this thing up to you. Interpretations only come from where the place of the heart of God or Elohim. I think that's, that's, that's very important for all of us. And, and we know this, but there's something that just kind of resonated inside my spirit that went, hey, the interpretations that you're able to gain, even, even in the dream itself the last couple of nights, are stemming from being in the heart of God while you dream, in the midst of that dream. And Joseph is making that declaration. And so when we're in a situation where we're called upon to help people understand or interpret, then we need to let them know this interpretation comes from Elohim or from his heart to you. And you can phrase it in a different way, but it's just really, and he said, tell me them, I pray thee. So he's asking for them to tell the dreams, and, and, I, and I've kind of listed, these are some wacky dreams here, you know. I read through these, and I go, man, how in the world did Joseph get the interpretation of that? It's, it's pretty easy when you sit back and you think about it, you meditate on it. The circumstances that he was in and the men that were in helped him 
with the interpretation. Let's read it. So we're being called upon to be interpreters of spiritual things. This one involves interpretation to the chief butler in, in Genesis 40, verses 9 through 15. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said unto him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me. The vine, there were three branches, and it was though it was budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup unto Pharaoh's hand. That's a pretty wacky dream, right? I mean, Pharaoh would represent, you know, the, the person that was in authority over him at that point, or had been. He obviously got ticked off and threw them in prison because they did some things that really kindled his wrath. But just looking at it, you've got a vine, you've got three branches, they're budding, they're blossoming, you've got clusters of grapes, you've got Pharaoh's cup. How in the world is he going to interpret this? Look at how he responds. This is our response. Joseph said unto him, Hey, wait just a minute. I need to pray for a couple of hours. Is that what he said? Absolutely not. He said, this is the interpretation. <laughs> That's the way God has equipped us. In a moment's notice, he didn't say, well, you know, it could be this, or I think it might be, or it sounds like this. Oh, maybe God's saying this. He didn't have any of that language, right? I mean, he was, he was absolutely certain and said, this is the interpretation. No need to go and ask your magicians, those reading horoscopes, no other person, no wise man in, in your camp. This is what God's telling you. Wow. He said that with absolute confidence. Why? Because he said previously, interpretations belong and they come from the heart of God. He knew that. And God somehow revealed to him what it meant. But his surroundings helped him, I'm sure. He knew Pharaoh had been the king of the, the chief butler. I mean, Pharaoh's cup. I mean, it's just really interesting. And he said, the three branches are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up your head and restore you into thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand, after the former manner when thou wast his butler. That's pretty remarkable, isn't it? I don't know if I would have thought about three days, you know, three branches being the equivalent of three days. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, just looking at it strictly from a humanistic, I, I don't know, but, but again, I guess having two consecutive dreams that were very similar, being in the dream, you, you have... The atmosphere that's available to you as the individual, you have the, the feeling of what you get, you have the, the, the visual aspect of it, you've got the audit, you've got all these different things that if I told this to somebody else over here, it's not the same effect. Joseph was just being told this dream. He didn't have any of that, right? It wasn't like Joseph dreamed this dream. It makes it even that much more remarkable that really interpretations do belong from Elohim. <laughs> and, and he's demonstrating that before the chief butler. Now, verse 14. If somebody has really been very helpful to you, you would think that you would show them kindness, right? Joseph says, but think on me. When it shall be well with you, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. He's asking him to say, hey, do me a favor. God's helped you through me. Help get me out of this pit. Modern day translation, but it's the same thing. And if you'll look in verse, verses 20 through 23 in chapter 40, the chief butler did not remember Joseph at all. It says he forgot about him. Before we say we want a Joseph-like ministry, you better be ready to help people out, not be remembered and be forgotten. 
Because that's exactly what happened here. I mean, it makes no sense. It's like, Chief Butler, man, I helped you out. Help me. That's really bizarre, isn't it? But that does happen all the time. Now, let's look at how he interacted with uh, the Chief Baker, the BB, the butler and the baker. When the Chief Baker, now watch this. The, the, remember, all the prisoners are, they're in the pit. Don't forget that. Everybody else is listening. I mean, they're front center. They're, they're like in the front row watching and listening. And when the chief butler raad that the interpretation was Tob, interesting, he said to Joseph, hey, man, I had a dream too. <laughs> he said, behold, I had th this one's bizarre too. I had three white baskets on my head. <laughs> and the uppermost basket that was full of all manner of bakements for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket on my head. What a bizarre dream. And Joseph answered, this is the interpretation, the exact same certainty. He was confident. He didn't waffle back and forth. This wasn't a time where he tried to counsel with, uh, with the baker here. I mean, he was telling him this is what's going on. Look at the interpretation. He said, within three days, the three, the ba three ba baskets are three days. Pharaoh's going to lift them off of you, and he's going to hang you on a tree. Good grief. Some people might write this off as, oh, that's not God. There's times where it happens. I was reading through this again. So many times, like, I'll share just a snippet of something, just to kind of, while in Florida on vacation, I told you had two doubles, two dreams, back to back. Each one involved torture and murder. I just leave it at that. Some people might go, well, how is that possible? Well, here's an example of how God can reveal things that are going on. I wasn't in fear. I wasn't um, the next morning getting up and, you know, trying to hide. Or, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't any of that. God does things and, and, and says things. He just... He knows what's best, and if it's in the Scripture, we need to believe it. I mean, he told another guy, said, hey, get your house in order. You're going to die initially. And then he extended his years of life, but he still, he still kicked the bucket, right? I mean, he can say that kind of stuff. So the fact that people have this idea in their mind, oh, God, he won't do something like that. Well, he just, I mean, he did it here. It's not pleasant, but he was trying to let this guy know you reached out to me and you asked for the interpretation, probably not what you're expecting, but this is what God's going to do. And you know the rest of the story. It happened exactly the way God said it would through Joseph. Now let's look at how he interpreted to Pharaoh in Genesis 41, 15 through 16. And it says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there's none that can interpret it. Even Pharaoh's saying there's no interpreter around. But he says, and I have heard some say of you that you can understand. Now, understand here is, is the Hebrew word shema. Hmm, interesting. It's not the, the, the word where we think in the Old Testament for being able to, to separate things out mentally and being able to understand. It's shema, shemaing a dream. What, so what, is that, what does that mean? It means being able to be in the midst of a dream and hear it and obediently give an interpretation of it. And be and he said in a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. Elohim will give Pharaoh an answer of shalom. Remember, Pharaoh, his spirit is what? Troubled, agitated. He he just doesn't know what to do with it. He's just like a, a nervous Nelly with OCD tendencies. And he's just all over the map, right? But, but Joseph is telling him, Elohim, the heart of God, is going to give you an answer that is going to result in, in bringing peace to this current situation. I think it's interesting, too, that word gets back to Pharaoh. 
that there's a recognition of giftings here. Pharaoh said, I've heard some say, you can do this. That's how, that's how the message has gotten spread, is people have heard, hey, God's with us, or these people are interceding, or, and, and word just kind of spreads and gets all over the place, right? That's how, it, that's how it works. Our giftings will find a place for us. There's no need to go out and me, me to pronounce to the world that, hey, I am this or I am that. We don't need to do that. God will make sure that we're exactly where we need to be in Him and what we need to be doing. This, this, whole, this whole three chapters is just full of fascinating things that apply to all of us. And then, I'm not going to read all the verses in between that, but in verse 25, leading up to this, Pharaoh tells the dream, and it's very detailed. You guys know it. And then we're going to read a little bit of it here. Joseph says to Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. Elohim has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. And I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here for sake of time. He talks about the different the thin and ill-favored kind and um, talking about corn. I mean, it's, again, very bizarre dreams. With, with different meanings. But Joseph says this is one dream. Elohim is about to do something, and he's revealed it to Pharaoh. In verse 29, he says there's going to be seven years of great plenty throughout the entire land of Egypt. But then after that seven, then there's coming a famine, okay? Again, the coronavirus is only the beginning. Famines are coming. Jesus prophesied and we're not just talking about in foreign countries. We're talking about famine in our own country. We're talking about dearth coming to our own country. And he says, And there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, because the famine will consume the entire land. Never let us, this is part of the, the mindset of a saint. Always remember the plenty. Don't ever, we don't need to ever forget it. And this applies in a lot of ways. I remember times where there's great outpourings of his spirit and 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 revelation, just I mean, almost. So much so, you, you didn't have enough time to, to, to get it all and, and take it all in, right? The, the, it's like the basket's full. You, you consume it all, but it continues just to, to grow, and you got more and more, right? That's the plenty that we don't need to forget. Because when the famine comes, the enemy and people are going to focus on the famine and totally forget all the blessing and the plenty behind them. We're prone to do that. And verse 31 says, And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following, for it will be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, because God has, because that thing is established by Elohim, and Elohim will shortly bring it to pass. Now, in saying some of these things, I don't know all the details. I just know this is the beginning of birth pains. And it sounds very similar to what Jesus said, right? I'm not, I'm not saying this is not something that's affected a lot of people. It has. But it's only the beginning of what is to come. But in the midst of it, never forget, that Yahweh is with all of us. Mercy will come. Favor will be there no matter where we are at. We have to remember these, these principles and, and what God has said for many, many years. Our nation is not going to be the same moving forward. It never will. You think the enemy is just going to lay down and die? 
Do you think, do you think demonic spirits can die? No, they don't. A spirit cannot die. Now, eventually God will deal with them. But spirits don't die. They're still alive. They're limited. But we have to make sure that we do not let... It's great when the plenty's there. We need to be like Joseph and go out and get the plenty and bring it into the storehouse, right? Because there are going to be other people. Once the famine strikes, other people are going to be reaching out to buy corn. And I'm speaking spiritually here, not literally. They're going to be reaching out and go, there is a famine all around. Man, we need corn. And there are going to be Pharaoh-like people to go and say, hey, go find Joseph. Go to the Father's house. Go here. They have the corn. And Joseph was recognized. His gifting was recognized in Genesis 41. I'm on page 4. Then the spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults. Pharaoh was wroth. He put us in the prison. We dreamed a dream. But there was a young man, a Hebrew. He interpreted unto us the dreams according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass. I was restored to my office, and the other guy was hanged. And then Pharaoh immediately says, hastily, he said, bring that guy into me. Hastily, it says. So Joseph, being in a pit, probably pretty smelly and needed to clean up a little bit. It says he cleaned himself up, shaved, and he was brought before Pharaoh. And it's in that environment where there's purposeful promotion that's brought into the life of Joseph. Now, I'm going to end with this. Pharaoh says one of the most profound things in all of Scripture in, in chapter 41 in regards to Joseph and what was inside Joseph. It says in verse 37 of chapter 41, the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. This is after he's telling them the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh turns and says to his servants, can we find such a one as this man a man in whom the Spirit of Elohim is. That's us. The Pharaohs of this world, when they hear God speak the interpretation through us, they are going to respond in the same manner and go, there's no other person on this planet. And they, Do you see the impact that this had on Pharaoh for him to even declare that? And Pharaoh says, for as much as Elohim has showed you all of this, Watch this. There is no one so discreet and wise as you are. There's the wisdom part. And so there's great blessing there. And then I put this in here because of the promotion. We're going to be just like Peter. Called upon to explain that this is that moment when God pours out his spirit. Just like he did in Acts 2. There are new beginnings being released, and the Spirit of God is being poured out, and we are going to be the representatives to say, this is what God's doing. It's not about these disruptions. It's not about protesting. It's not about rioting. It's not about any of those things. This is that. God is pouring out His Spirit. He wants you to dream. He wants you to be a visionary and this is what he's doing. And he's going to do it on his servants, his handmaids, and all flesh. That's what God's wanting to do. That's what he is doing. Look, we have to look through that lens always. And if we don't, we are going to forget who we are and what he's done because of what's coming. The famine is coming to our land. And I do not say that lightly. The things that are coming are far worse than Corona. But don't remember Corona. Remember that Yahweh is with us just like he was with Joseph. If you're in the pit or you're in the palace, if you're in the pig pen or the palace, it doesn't matter. We've got to remember, and that's the way a saint should be thinking. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word 
And I declare over all of us that your eternal plan is with us. Your mercy is giving us directives. And your grace is promoting us. And we're, we're in, in the mission. And we're not going to give up. We're going to stay the course. May these words from the scripture just germinate inside us. And let us remember that you will never leave us, nor will you forsake us. May the blessing of the eternal plan of God be upon every person and over this entire network and what you're doing in this hour. We love you and we praise you and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.